Hey, welcome to a Stonewall's Perspective podcast. In this podcast, Alex gives his perspective on what is going on in the world. It is his mission to bring the light of the gospel into every aspect of life. We hope you enjoy. Well, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of a Stonewall's Perspective podcast. I am your host, Alexander Stone. In this episode, we have another very special guest with us. He is the senior pastor of Fresh Life Church in Montana. He is an author. He's a speaker at the Passion Conference at most years. Uh, please welcome Levi Lusco. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good, Alex. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on here. It is such an honor to have you on. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about your newest book, The Last Supper on the Moon, kind of why you wrote it, what it's about, and, and really just the vision behind that book. But before we do that, could you just give us a little rundown of kind of who you are, your upbringing, how you came to know Christ, and how you got where you are now? For sure. Um, yeah, I was born in Colorado, a uh, big family, uh, five kids in my family, two brothers, two sisters, and I was the second born. <clears throat> and we grew up in a Christian home, uh, went to church every Sunday, and I, I knew all about God as a child and the Bible. I'm so grateful for my upbringing. My parents did a, a did such a great job wanting to instill values in us and were present and spent time with us. And uh, my relationship to this day with my both my mom and my dad is great. And, um, and when I was just before my freshman year in high school, I had a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit at a summer camp where I really just came under the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit and uh, was aware. Like I, I had such a good foundation, as I mentioned. I knew all about God, and I knew so many Bible verses. But what was beautiful about that moment was it just kind of came alive to me, and I made a decision to, to kind of go all in walking with Jesus more so than just because it was my parents' faith or my church's position, but that it was where I wanted to go, you know, me and Jesus. And so, yeah, I gave my life to Christ that day and responded to his touch on my heart and um, have been trying to walk with him imp imperfectly ever since. We started a church <clears throat> 15 years ago, and uh, yeah, like I said, trying to tell people about Jesus and be there for people in their hard moments and uh Yes, yeah, so that's kind of me in a nutshell. Man, that's amazing. And it, it, one of the most important things that anyone and everyone could have is a Christian foundation. I've grown up in a Christian home all of my life, and I, I didn't become a Christian until I was about 14 years old. But having that foundation really has set me up for the future because I had the knowledge um, of Christ that, that has sustained me ever since I, I really truly did become a Christian. And so that that's really amazing. And so then you're also an author. Um, and you're the pastor of Fresh Life Church. And so you've written quite a few books. Could you tell us a little bit about your most recent one, The Last Supper on the Moon? For sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, you're <clears throat> um, I uh, love books. I love reading. I'm always reading a book. I keep books kind of stashed <clears throat> everywhere. I'm reading a biography right now that I, I love and um, I love learning. I love how it ex expands your mind and your heart. And of course, as a pastor, I also want to communicate, you know, spiritual value to people in, in my writing, but also I have a conviction that, you know, we need to learn other things too than just 
you know, truths about God's word, uh, history, and uh, I, I tend to really love uh, looking in the past and seeing what people have done and where they've been. And, you know, it's been, it's been said that <clears throat> if you don't learn from the past, you'll, you'll end up repeating it inadvertently. And so one thing that I really love is, um, is uncovering, you know, unique individuals. I, I, I talk a lot in my book, I declare war about Teddy Roosevelt, because that book's about overcoming, you know, emotional battles and, and, and learning to think right. And so I use the analogy from something he said, you know, Teddy Roosevelt said a lot of great things, but one thing in particular he said was whenever he committed himself fully to a battle, that, that a new source of power rose up inside of his heart. And I think a lot of us tend to approach too timidly things that we need to approach violently. You know, why did Jesus say, pluck your eye out, cut your hand off? He obviously didn't want us to amputate ourselves. He's saying, give your whole heart to whatever decision you make. That's why Paul said, I don't shadow box. I, <clears throat> I'm not messing around. I give myself entirely like I want to get gold medal in the Olympics to how I approach my walk with Jesus. And so I used that analogy in the book, I Declare War, but it, it was all framed from this historical moment of our youngest person to ever serve as president, Teddy Roosevelt, when he was in the, the when he was a sergeant in the Spanish-American War. So um, that was I Declare War. Uh, my new book is called The Last Supper on the Moon, and it basically takes two unique things one is the bloody death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And the second thing is what I consider to be the greatest thing that man's ever done. And that is the Apollo 11 moon landing in 1969. So with these two things that seem very at odds, very different, I kind of weave in and, and build and blend them together to convey that God can help us all with our battles that we go on, you know, in our inner space, in our inner journey using the metaphor of outer space. That's so cool. You know, we all have a, a journey, and I like how you talk, we're talking about what the Apostle Paul was saying, that he's running a race in a way that he's trying to win an Olympic gold medal. And, and that's the way that each of us should live our life, that we should pursue Christ with all that we have in us in, in such a way that we are trying to win a gold medal because the prize is, is Christ for eternity. And I want that for myself. I want that for really everybody. I want that for anyone who I come in contact with and, and those that I don't. And so I'm going to run that race and, and allow others to see how I live my life. And, and hopefully they'll see it and they'll, and they'll say, I want that too. And so, you know, it's really cool um, how God is, you know, and, and I think uh, just even outer space, you know, um, I, I, I have not had the opportunity to read your book yet, but I did read uh, the bio uh, of it. And first of all, I'd like to say, um, I think it's cool the way that you correlate um, the, the Apollo moon landing and, and Jesus's um, death. And so could we go a little bit into, into how you uh, correlate the quest to conquer space to the, to the death of Christ? Yeah, well, <clears throat> excuse me, cannot clear my throat today. Um, there is no separating those two subjects for a number of reasons. Reason number one, uh, all of creation glorifies God, Psalm 19 says. 
So when you look up to the heavens, there is God's handiwork, which Colossians says Jesus holds together. So when we see the moon rise tonight, or on the 16th, I don't know when this will air, but on the 16th, there's supposed to be a full moon. I say supposed to, but it will happen if the world's still here, right? The you know, it's funny, we, we can know the moon's going to be full on a certain day because it's predictable. And how does how does that work? Well, God holds it all together. It keeps moving along as God planned it to. We can't control the moon. We can't control the tides. We can't control the movement of the sun, or even if that there's going to be a sun tomorrow. But Jesus, Colossians says, holds it all together with the word of his power. It was created by him and for him and is sustained through him. So all of creation is, 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 is all his handiwork. It's his painting, and his signature is, 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 is on the corner of it, right? That's reason number one. Reason number two, um, when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane before going to the cross, it was under the light of a full moon, and that's how they set the date for Passover, whenever there's a full moon. So every Easter, there's, you can automatically know just a day before, a couple days before, it's going to be a full moon. So it's going to be a nearly full moon this Easter, and that's because Good Friday, Passover, the moon will be full. And then thirdly, um, when we went to the moon in 1969, Apollo 11, Neil Armstrong famously took his one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Just before that happened, Buzz Aldrin, the lunar module pilot, took communion elements and ate bread and drank wine after reading from John's gospel. So there is such a <clears throat> profound convergence of the moon and space and communion and Jesus, and it just provides such a rich tapestry for us to have this whole conversation, which is what I'm trying to do in the book. Oh, certainly. So first of all, the, the episode it, we're, we're uh, recording on Monday the 11th, we are going to be uploading it on Good Friday. So I think that Oof, this uh this this uh episode is recorded um and uploaded in a in a great position in a in a great time second of all how you talked about the goodness of god like the greatness of god and 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 how creation really just glorifies god i'm reminded um of a video um, of, of a sermon that louis giglio did uh years ago and he was talking about how the stars and the whales they they make noise unto god and so you'll have to my for my listeners you'll have have to check it out it's called stars and whales louis giglio go go look it up on youtube and the way that he does it um he combines a bunch of stars and some whales together and it sounds exactly like how great is our god by chris tomlin and it's it's an amazing video uh, first of all, second of all, I had no idea that Buzz Aldrin took the elements um, of of Passover. I I had no idea about that. That is so uh, so cool. That's and literally it, where the title comes from: the Last Supper on the Moon. I because no that exactly that. that happened. That's it wow. was the first thing ever eaten on the lunar surface. So that 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 is interesting. When I when I read the title of your book for the first time, when I saw it come out. I was very confused. I had I had no idea um, about that until until just now. Um, but you know, it's so cool uh, how how the Last Supper was indeed the first meal on the moon, um, uh, a, a meal that 
represents the death and, and burial of, of Christ on top of a surface that really just magnifies how great uh, and how amazing our God is. And, and so I'm just going to talk about this real quick because of the timing of when this episode is released, that, that Jesus, he's not dead. Jesus is alive. And, and I gave an episode about this a few, a few weeks ago, talking about the historical reasons why Christianity is true, that, that God is real, that Jesus is real. And it's not just, uh, it's not just some fairy tale. It is something that actually happened. And if you go and look at the history of it, there are people who were not Christians who wrote about Jesus rising from the dead. And when you see that Jesus rose from the dead, that's not something that just happens. Jesus rose from the dead, literally. And that proves Christianity to be true because Jesus believed in all of scripture. And if Jesus believed in all of scripture and he's the one who rose from the dead, then man, that, that just proves to us how significant Easter is indeed. Yes. Amen. And for sure. So I just, I, I, I had to go in that soapbox just because of the fact that it's being uploaded on, on good Friday. Um, so, so the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ is, is so important. Um, like I said, and we should focus on that um, totally and 100% because that's where we get the foundation of our faith from. You know, the Apostle Paul said that if, if Jesus didn't rise again, then, then our belief would be in vain. You know, all of, all of what we believe would be a lie if Jesus didn't rise from, the, rise from the grave, but he did. And so we should look to that and have hope for what comes in the future, knowing that whatever happens even if it happens, we have a living hope. We have a, a, a savior who is not dead. And, and that's amazing. And so um, going into the, ne the next part, I want to just discuss the greatness of God. And, and, and I can't fathom the greatness of God. And I, I touched on it just a few minutes ago with talking about the Louis Giglio video. But I just want to go in more in depth with this, with, with scripture. And so First Chronicles 16.25 says for great is the lord and most worthy of praise he is to be feared above all gods that's little g gods because there are no other gods but uh, pastor levi it seems as if so many people have brought up for themselves idols and they've they've worshiped them instead of god and, and even christians why why is that why do christians follow after this that and the other when we know we should be following christ instead well we we have a worship problem. All of us do. We tend to, because worship is just value, right? What worship is worth. Worship isn't singing, even though worship does include singing. Worship is just whatever your heart looks to for support. And whatever you declare to be the most important thing is what you worship. So like there's a, there's like a, a misconception to think like atheists don't worship, or if I don't worship God, I'm not, I don't worship anything. But the truth is uh, the human heart can't not worship. You know, so you can't not uh, have something your heart values the most. So if it's not Jesus, it's going to be something else. Your heart will naturally put something else in the first position. Your career, um, sex, your friends, your social media, something's going to have the most important thing. And the way to determine what you worship is what's the first thing you think of in the morning, what's the last thing you think of in the night, and what, if taken away from you, 
would decimate your ability to keep going on. So if, if I lost my job tomorrow, like for me, I love being a pastor, but if I got, if I lost this job tomorrow, I'm, it doesn't phase me. I'm going to find a way to serve God in a different way. Cause this job doesn't define me. Um, you know, I had a daughter die. I loved my daughter. I, I, I love her very much still, but it didn't, it didn't take my life away because my daughter wasn't the center of my universe. She, I loved her, but she's not, <clears throat> she's not my, my, what my soul looks to for strength and support and identity. Um, so why does the, well, you ask, the question is, why do even Christians at times have idols in their heart? Well, that's because at times we, even as we follow Jesus, we think other things are going to give us the happiness that only he can. And, um, it's a process of always saying like, God, what do I regard above you? What do I look at above you? And how can I continue to live in a place where I realize and recognize that only you can do for my soul what it needs? If I, if I put a screw in the drywall and try and hang a, a heavy picture on it, it's going to pull it out because it's not anchored. You have to put the screw into the stud or to a wall anchor that's rated to hold what you're putting on it. And that's why, you know, it's so easy and common to, to have um, a marriage disintegrate because maybe you were looking to your wife to define you or to, to meet some need of your soul instead of just to be another sinful, broken person that you love and serve alongside. So I think the process that we all have to keep going through is just saying, what am I looking to in life that I'm hoping can give me what only God can give me? Certainly, you know, our heart is, is very wicked. It's very deceitful. Um, and, and I, I was reminded while you were talking of Jeremiah 17 verse nine, which says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. And then verse 10 says, I, the Lord search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his own ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So our doings should be one of that, that honor God, that, that glorify God. First Corinthians 10 31, whether then you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. We should do things that glorify God and God alone, instead of whatever our heart desires, because our heart will be wicked. Our heart is deceitful um, really in all things. And second of all, I'm reminded of uh, Philippians chapter four, verse eight, which says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, think on the things of God, think on the things that God values, instead of the things that the world values. And when that happens, God's going to bless you. And, I, and it may not happen on this side of the earth, but Christ will bless you eternally. Um, and, and we should look forward to that. And we should look toward that in a position where we can say that we are serving and following God. Uh, second of all, the greatness of God, uh, Psalm 96, verse four, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Uh, he is to be feared above all gods. I, that's basically the same thing as first first chronicles 16 um 25 but the reason for that is just the fact that the creator of the universe inspired the bible and and he is going to he deserves praise and and many people will say or think or believe that god is um god is self-centered and i'd say yeah because he's the only one who deserves to be that way he's the only one who deserves to have any glory 
or praise at all because he is perfect and holy and righteous and just when we are not. And we need to look towards Christ um, and, and follow after his way and his will. Um, then Jeremiah 10, verse 6, no one is like you, Lord. You are great and your name is mighty in power. That, that God is above all else and in, in everything. And we should just really follow after God um, because of the greatness of who he is. And so how would you, um, what, what advice would you give to someone who is struggling to really wrap their head around why we should follow God, first of all, and second of all, how great our God is? Could you speak to that? Sure. Um, well, I think just remembering who you are, it always um, gives you power as you do what you do. And who who are you? You know, like John the Baptist said, we are not the son. We're not the we're not the center of attention. We're not the bridegroom. You know, John the Baptist, his disciples thought he would be mad when when they told him that Jesus was baptizing more than he was, and his he was getting more attention. He was getting more accolades. And he said, are you kidding me? That was the whole point. He must increase. I must decrease. Um, the, the, he said the, the friend of the bridegroom rejoices when the bridegroom gets attention. If you were the best man at a wedding, you wouldn't be mad and frustrated that the bride and groom were getting the focus. That's, that's your job. You're there to get him to the main event, right? So if I'm doing my job right, the way I put it in my book is <clears throat> I'm not the sun. I'm the moon. The moon doesn't provide light. It doesn't provide glory. The sun does. But if the moon is absorbing the sun's light, then the, then the moon gets to shine. And every night the moon shows up with its beautiful light because the sun shines its light on him. If you try and pretend you're the sun, you make a terrible sun. I make a terrible sun. We are awful at being God. But you know what we're great at? We're great at giving him his due place in our lives, letting him shine on us, then like Moses, right? Then we glow. And when we glow with the light of the sun, we're being the moon we were supposed to be. So be a supporting cast member. Don't feel like you need to be the lead actor, lead actress in the starring role. Let Jesus be the superhero and then shine all night like the city on a hill that you are. Mm -hmm. Amen. So first of all, I just like to point out something that you said Um when, when you started talking on to that point is remember who you are. And, that, and that's something that so many Christians forget about who they are. Um, and, and so one of my teachers, I go to a Christian school and I'm so blessed to be able to do that. One of my teachers this year, every time after class ended, he would always stop us before we left. And he would say, remember who you are and remember whose you are. And that is something that is so important and so vital. It may not seem that way because of it's such a short phrase and not, not that much. But in reality, we need to remember who we are and we need to remember whose we are. Second Corinthians 6.18 says, And I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That, that we are sons and daughters of God and that God is our father and that he's adopted us into his family. And I'm not, I'm not sure how true this is, um, I, but I trust it. I heard one time that um, in biblical times, I think it was, um, I, I'm not sure where, but in the context that that's talking about, when it talks about adoption, it talks of, in, historically, 
you would not be able to adopt someone and then unadopt them. You, you, they were legally yours forever. And that's the same way in the family of God that you are legally God's forever. You are a son, you are a daughter of God for the rest of eternity. There is nothing that can snatch you out of the father's hand. And that's something that is so profound. So remember who you are and remember whose you are. Uh, the second thing that, that you uh, were talking about was how we are like the moon, that we don't produce the light, but we do uh, reflect the light. And that is what our calling should be uh, as Christians to reflect that light. And so Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 13 is what I started this podcast on, um, really in the beginning of it. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how then shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So first of all, we're the salt. We are supposed to flavor and preserve the earth. But it seems as if in this day and age, so many Christians have lost their saltiness, saltiness to, to say the least. Uh, well, they've gotten a different kind of saltiness is the problem. <laughs> That, a lot of Christians have saltiness point. covered just too much of it, right? Too much salt, not good either. Just like not enough salt. We got to have that right balance, right? Exactly right. You're, you're exactly right. I like that point that you just made. Uh, verse 14, it says, you are the light of the world. A city that can, that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. That as Christians, as, as true believers, we are a light on a hill and we should be seen. We should be seen by all to show that light verse 15 nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket that were like a lamp and we should not put that lamp under a basket but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house let your light so shine before men that you may they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven we need to reflect the light of christ because we are the light bearers you know and that's our calling as christians to to show others the light which is indeed Christ show the way towards him and, and light that path because so many people are, they're, they're going to hell. I'll just say it. That's the truth. And we need to show the light of the father and the love of Christ because the scripture says that the love of the father is what brings people unto repentance. It's what brings people unto God. And yeah. so share that light in a way where you're sharing the love of Christ. You know, the, the, the two greatest commandments, love God and love people. If you're not loving people, you're not being that light. And, and, and so we should just follow after that. And, and I believe that God will bless that. Absolutely. So, well, uh, Pastor Levi, so thank you so much for being willing and being able to be on this episode. Um, before we go, where can people find you um, and find your church and find the books that you have written? Yeah. So, um, fresh life church is the church. We have a bunch of different locations and of course we're on YouTube and all the rest. And then, um, all the books, uh, you can get information about those at levilesco.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on this episode. Once again, listeners, thank you so much for listening. God bless you all and goodbye. If you haven't heard about anchor by Spotify, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It has everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. First of all, Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor 
It's totally free. So if you are looking to record a podcast, go to the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed. You can also check us out at Stonewall's Perspective on Facebook and Instagram to keep up with the latest news. Stay anchored.